Every now and then, I meet someone who's changing the world for the better by their sheer will alone. Whether they're authors, activists, or adventurous, these people are blazing a path with their deep enthusiasm and allowing the world to follow. Their passion is strong, and my passion is to tell their stories. I am Brian Platt, and this is Passion Project. Hey, what's going on, guys? So in this episode of the podcast, I speak with Ben and Madeline of BraceNet. So BraceNet is a company they created when they're on a diving trip uh, off the coast of Tanzania and Zanzibar. Um, and what it is, is they create these um, bracelets, dog leashes, and other products out of what's called um, ghost netting that is around in just about every single ocean. It's old fishing nets that have been abandoned, caught on shipwrecks, or otherwise tossed overboard if they can serve no use to the fishermen. It's a really interesting product. It's a really cool idea. What I like about them is they're involving so many people in the supply chain, whether it's people, it could be themselves, it could be um, local governments, it could be you know other organizations, other nonprofits, to find these ghost nets, to cut them up, um, and to deliver them to them and from there, they actually employ a lot of uh, family member, local people, and um, people with disabilities to turn these bracelets or turn these nets into bracelets into something usable, which they in turn sell, and they give the donations back to those nonprofits that help remove the ghost nets in the first place. Really interesting product. Really cool. Um, you know, really cool couple. Um, I was very very joyed to be able to talk to both of them um, and understand how they, you know, conceptualized the product. Well, actually first, how they identified a problem, found a solution um, and found a way to fund it and nonprofits that, you know, uh, will help remove a lot of this, uh, you know, ocean debris that are killing ocean life pretty consistently. So one of the interesting things about this product, and that was inescapable to me and also to them as they created it is, they want to live in a world where BraceNet does not exist at all. Uh, so the perfect world for them is, is them without a job. They don't have to even turn these, you know, they can stop these netting systems before they even become ghost nets, uh, before they even um, become an issue in the first place. And I hope, you know, I hate to say this, but I hope that happens. Obviously, a, I know obviously it'll be a great, um, you know, it'll be incredible for the health of the oceans, but B, I know that these two will find another incredible project. There's no shortage of issues out there. And they're so intelligent and forward thinking about so many different parts of the supply chain um, and from the uh, the actual production and synthesization, they will find another issue and they will work to solve that as well. So I said this in the interview, uh, the world needs more Madelines and Bens and mercifully, there will be another one. Uh, they're actually expecting a little baby boy, which is really exciting to hear. But yeah, it was a really, uh, it was quite a pleasure speaking to both of them. Um, and I mentioned this in the podcast, but I do want to say it here that when speaking with them, I thought of this quote. It's by Tim O'Reilly, and it goes uh, a little something like this. <laughs> no, but it's uh, pursue something so important that even if you fail, the world is better off with you having tried. And I think that kind of sums up what bracenet is and they actually kind of beat me to the punch on that that saying uh ben mentioned hey even if we fail at this a we would have tried something incredible but b there's really not a bad side of it as long as we do our best as long as we try and 
um, remove these nets um, from the oceans as best as possible, even if we, we become a financial failure uh, and the company does, we're still at least removing a problem. Uh, but the good news is they're not failing. They're doing very well. And if you want to help them, they are at Brace, I believe it's just Bracenet.com. But you can also help in, in a variety of different ways as Madeline, or excuse me, Bracenet.net. Um, and then if you are English speaking, because they are a German company, but you can go click up at the top right and find the English flag. But yeah, they are, um, you know, uh, there are other ways of helping, obviously, following them on social media. Um, but Madeline just said, hey, try to use less products, try to use less things, uh, things that have less packaging to begin with. Or if you see something with a lot of packaging, reach out to that organization. Um, a lot of times people don't think about that. And to be honest, I, I don't either. But it, it helps a lot, or at least it could. So I love when people always think in terms of how, how they can help their own organization, but issues outside of that. And again, that's why the world needs more uh, Benz and more Madelines. So anyways, um, I hope you enjoy the podcast. I'm sure you will. Um, and if you do, please like, rate, review, subscribe, uh, all of the above, all of that stuff. It helps so much. Uh, and yeah, enjoy. All right. So in this episode of the podcast, I speak with Madeline and Ben of Bracenet. So thanks for joining me, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about the inception of the company, Bracenet, like how it started, how long ago it started, what gave you guys the idea to, um, to do this, to create uh, bracelets out of old fishing nets? Yeah, we started uh, almost five years ago in our uh, big one-year holiday. We went to Tanzania and Zanzibar, so on the east coast of Africa, and um, saw there the really first time this really huge fishing nets, kilometers long, and um, yeah, with no reason to fish. So it was just an old net and uh, nobody was using it anymore. So it was trash at the end. And um, I remember really good that there were like these really small um, spider and ghost um, crabs inside that we entangled out of the nets and uh, tried to do that the whole day. And um, in the evening, we started to talk to the people in the village. Um, why are these nets there and why do they have these colors? And um, yeah, what is the way from them? And they um, told us that it's a really big problem for them because um, the people who live there are going out fishing with small fishing nets and they live from the sea actually and also selling the fish on the market. And these fishing nets were from really big trawlers, so from uh, other countries. Mm. And uh, they got stuck on wrecks or corals uh, while fishing. Or sometimes also they throw that uh, overboard if they need space on board. So um, we were really shocked about the amount um, of these nets um, yeah, that uh, are actually there and fishing go on and go on. And nobody can use the fish that is... Uh, yeah stuck in there every day so we started uh, to collect the nets over three weeks um, almost every day and we're wow. talking about that problem and um, then we started to try to put it somewhere in our body like on the wrist and it was like <laughs> what is the name of bracelet bracelet uh, armband in english bracelet it's a brace net so we just yeah we're just joking around and then yeah, because it was clear for us that it's uh, not only helping when we start recording, taking pictures of the problem, because we know it also from our social media news uh, usage 
um, if you're online and see these horrible pictures from Peter or some other organizations, you're shocked for a second and then you scroll on and right. then you forgot it uh, when the uh, funny cat is jumping over a keyboard. <laughs> you, you already forgot the, the video before. So we thought, no, we really have to produce something out of it. And uh, secondly, we also start uh, researching if it's just a local problem or is it global? And then it was clear, okay, it's not only here, it's uh, almost everywhere. But the press was not full out of, from this topic. So if yeah. you started uh, Google in 2015, uh, if you typed in uh, like ghost nets or in German Geisternetze, you don't really found a lot of stuff online about this topic. So this was directly our target to really push this topic forward and have the Bracenet at a door opener and then reminder for everyone walking around that this problem exists and reminds the, um, yeah, the, the people every day that they have to do something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but then yeah. in that holiday itself, we we took the nets home and spent all our stuff that we had uh, to the people in the village and um, had a little bit of trouble on the airport <laughs> then because we had just old fishing nets on our backpacks <laughs> and they were like, what the hell is that? And we were like, yeah, well, we are not sure what we are doing out of it, but uh, we'd li we like to help your country. We don't know <laughs> how it will look like at the end, but uh, yeah, and then they, yeah. If you want to take trash, take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they yeah. had no problem with that. Yeah, and then we had it. And then we had it home and uh, it was on our um, kitchen floor at the end. And um, yeah, then we started next to our main jobs that we had at this moment. Um, we, we have researching over a half year for NGOs or people who are already working in that theme or mm. doing something against that problem. And um, after yeah, almost a half year, we found um, ghost diving and healthy seas in the Netherlands. And um, these two organizations were at this time, yeah, one of, uh, yeah, really not a lot um, NGOs um, who were really transparent with the money. And, and focusing especially on right. this ghost net problem. Yeah. yeah. And um, we found both with them and had um, had a meeting in the Netherlands and um, they brought already some nets that uh, we found on the table. And uh, we presented what we did the last half year, like to build something around the bracelet then we had already like one <laughs> at the beginning like one prototype and um yeah they liked the idea a lot and said wow we were really searching for something like that because we we don't have a product or something also to collect um yeah money at the end or um, donations for for our project and um of course we have also no time for that so um yeah that was the beginning uh from from bracenet <laughs> so um yeah and at this time uh, it was just both of us next to our main jobs um after we are coming home and in the morning when we are leaving and midday sometimes or during the nights and then we started with benjamin's parents on the kitchen table and um yeah now we have 2020 and we are 34 people and um wow yeah that's very impressive. Oh, <laughs> That's really impressive. I always love when a company or an organization goes somewhere, finds a problem or an issue that they weren't expecting and comes back with a solution. 
uh, and in this case, comes back with a lot of uh, fishing nets, and yeah. uh, and it quickly becomes what it is today. That's really impressive. No, I think, uh, and this makes us uh, strong every day that we, in the beginning, really uh, didn't have the the focus and the target to to just do brace nets and have this as a main project in our life and as a full-time job right now it was uh, not the plan in the beginning it was really like okay we do something good besides our job and yeah have this um this good vibes coming coming out coming out of this project and meet awesome people and uh, dive to time from time to time Mm -hmm. with our diving teams and have this yeah a new hobby in our life but then it becomes bigger and bigger and we said okay we have to grab the chance and just try it. And if we just do it for two years, but really do something in these two years, it's fine as well. And then we go back to our main jobs. But, uh, but yeah, um, as yeah. Madeleine said, it's 2020 and we don't miss anything of, of the life we had before. So it's and really this great time that we, we have had done really it. good jobs that we really loved and uh, where we earned a lot of money and we had the plan to go on a world travel trip. Um, after our wedding and um, yeah, quit our jobs and just travel around. And um, yeah, so at the beginning, then we used the money that we had for that world trip uh, at the end to uh, build up Bracenet. But that was at the end our chance to do everything from the gut feeling and uh, from our own um, experience and um, yeah, where we had a good feeling to combine us with other companies or do cooperations and um, not to get other people on board uh, that were interested at the time as well. So it was, yeah, everything on our own, every, every decision that we made was really with a lot of questions around and we asked all the people for cooperations really deep and tried to understand their problems and why they like to connect with us. And uh, that was the good and the right way at the end. So it took a little bit longer, but um, yeah, that was a good thing. And then, yeah, then we started uh, to work more and more uh, by side our jobs. Um, We were working in the marketing at this time, um, Mm -hmm. Benjamin at uh, Bosch, and uh, I was working as an art buyer at BBDO. And um, that was also really, yeah, yeah, crazy job. So 60 to 80 hours a week. So we were almost not sleeping anymore. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then uh, it started that we had uh, the first really big request from a big company uh, that was the telecom at this time. And that was the first really huge company uh, that worked with us together. And um, at this point, um, it called uh, a weekly deal, buy one, get one free. And this is how it started. So we were running out of um, um, codes at the end that were uh, sent to every single person who was using the telecom at the end. So 700,000 people got like, um, yeah, I don't, what was it? How do you say that? Like a coupon, a coupon like 15% off or something. It was buy one, get one free. So that was gotcha. just uh, for communication where we were not making any money with it. And uh, we sold just enough for the donation for ABCs and ghost diving. And we uh, and they were like, um, after they sent the newsletter out, um, our just our mobile was just going crazy uh, during that night. And um, yeah, everything sold out during 
24 hours and that was like the yeah the start for um for bracelet at the end because we had to produce um thousands of bracelets in a couple of weeks and um yeah, we, we, I think we, we, it took us eight, eight weeks at the end and uh, we were really surprised because, uh, of course, we were working at this time and um, we didn't got any bad feedback. The people were calling us and uh, asked us if they can ha- help us with the manufacturing <laughs> Wow! In, in the backyard at the end. And um, yeah, and after we had that client, it was like... Uh, yeah, the goal or the start um, that uh, other companies ask us to work with them together. And um, so we came from a product that we were selling at this point um, to companies who were trying to get better in sustainability and ask us for our opinion. And um, yeah, this is what what happened then. So we were talking to so many different kind of companies, politicians and projects and um, yeah, learned a lot about the topic plastic and ghost fishing nets. And um, yeah. How long was that after you started? How long was that after the inception of the company? When you were selling out, when you were talking to politicians, talking to other nonprofits, other companies? This came quite early. Um, <laughs> we didn't have it on our roadmap, but um, especially or when we really f- feel it more and more was uh, end of 2017, when this uh, global yeah, ocean trash problem becomes bigger and bigger and also the news we're talking about it. Um, more and more companies, organizations, and also politicians came to us and said, okay, we made a research about uh, lost fishing nets and girls' nets, and we came to your side and uh, want to invite you to talk about this problem and maybe about solutions you're working on already. So, and this time it was already clear that we don't want to focus only on recovering all the nets and get all fishing nets, also work uh, in the prevention more and more so mm, right use the, the talk to the economy and the politicians to yeah to do something um, about the problem before it becomes a problem before uh, the, the old fishing nets becoming ghost nets so yeah. also fisheries and um, yeah small fishers are calling us and said here I have old uh, old fishing nets and I don't want to bring them to a recycling Mm-hmm. farm uh, because i have to pay for it can you do something uh, out of these old fishing nets and this is what we are doing wow so you have business coming to you uh you have people you're saving the environment you're saving the oceans by making sure that like you were mentioning i mean there's so many animals get caught in these nets and they're yeah. i mean they're they're not being utilized anymore they're they're not serving any purpose at all so they're just dying yeah, yeah. They're just dying. Uh, but one of the things I thought was really interesting, and you just touched upon this, is you kind of live, and I don't know a lot of companies like this, but you kind of live, or your company lives in an, a world where a perfect case scenario for you guys would be if brace nets didn't have to even exist in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're kind of like, what would be the next steps, you know, if brace nets wasn't a thing, if, 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 you lived in a world that you were able to rid the entire oceans of every single bit of, um, you know, ghost net. If we would live in a perfect world, um, 
we were losing our job um, in a couple of years, hopefully. But um, <laughs> actually, uh, the true story is that there's a lot of work to do still. Right. But um, we um, yeah, had so many great opinions and uh, just while talking to companies and ask them when they ask us for a product to get more green, to work with them together on projects to do single-use plastic ban in their companies or hmm. change the whole production steps or change products in their shops um, in an easy way without any really, really big cost for them for, for every single company. And this is more than we ex ever expected. But um, of course, there's um, yeah the chance to do really a lot more. And um, um, yeah, the projects are coming by accident at the moment still. So the people who, are, who we are talking to, um, telling us from their projects, um, from the things that they were already doing good, or also the people who are working here, um, we never expected that so many really great people ask us to work here because, of course, we are also manufacturing. We are sending out something that is a production. Mm. And um, we have so many well-educated people here. They, they, they are all studied um, sometimes two times, um, biology or politicians. So we have a really, really big good background at the end um, also to ask the right questions and right. to be um, yeah sometimes not just nice to clients um, also of course nice but ask the right questions that we need to know if it's possible to do a collaboration or it makes sense to change something because we have yeah their knowledge at the end so um, this is really really great what's, what's happening every day and um, of course from for now, it's not just us. It's a t it's a whole team who's changing a lot. So wow, that's so impressive. So you've gone from in a, such a short amount of time to finding the problem, identifying a solution, creating that solution, marketing, manufacturing that solution, to then you know on top of that, at the same time being like kind of environmental consultants for uh, organizations who want to create a greener product. Um, it's very incredible. With fishing equipment being such a big issue yeah. in the oceans, are there, like you mentioned, you know, Tanzania where you've gone diving, are there particular places that you're targeting to clean up? Are there particular places that you're focused on first or is it wherever people contact you or wherever you get can get those fishing nets you'll use? Yeah, those. more more and more in this direction. So what we found out is really that it's a global problem. That the ghost nets floating around are yeah and 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 dangle animals everywhere on the planet that it's really worldwide. So of course the ghost diving team is not everywhere uh, active everywhere, but they um, have um, yeah countries for example in uh, South Korea studying over there. Then um, in yes. the Mediterranean Sea, we have a, a ghost diving team in... Uh, New Zealand, Malta, Greece, uh, Croatia, the Netherlands. Oh, wow. um, so they are like, yeah, like almost spread all over the world. Lebanon, Egypt. So um, the diving team is not sent somewhere. They live there. So uh, it started all the time with people who love diving at the end and mm -hmm. to um, have the opportunity and uh, fun uh, to volunteer at the end. 
And um, of course, diving is also an expensive hobby. Yeah. <laughs> so um, from the donation, uh, donations itself, um, the equipment, um, also the education for um, yeah, dangerous diving is financed with that. Um, the captains, the boats, um, and um, they go out every weekend for free in the country where they live and um, collect the nets. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's also really impressive what they were doing because it's also, it's really dangerous also for people who go down there and, oh, yeah, sure. uh, and you know that for 90% of the time that you go down on a wreck or on corals, um, that you find persona or GPS and um, that, um, that there is net for sure. And, um, yeah, and you have to be really careful and um, bring the net out because it's not just that the net is down there and is fishing. Uh, it's also getting into microplastic if the sun comes on it and the sea salt water um, in a couple of years, it's on your plate anyway. So And more and more, we are also getting nets from different places. So on one hand, we have uh, a so-called net quarter on our website where private persons, when they're walking on the beach, swimming at the beach, and they find nets uh, that they can send us a picture and send it to us, the, the, the net. This becomes more and more that the people are really involved who are wearing a brace net already or heard about it and find the problem there. Uh, instead of collecting shells and other stuff on the beach, they are now collecting nets. And uh, for example, from Norway, we got also nets from in the same boat or also quite nice story that uh, yeah, was passing us by was a captain who was uh, in the near of Korea. They couldn't drive in the harbor that night and he was or his grandson was uh, he was given a, a brace net to the captain and there was floating a net. Uh, through this big container ship and uh, they were yeah getting the net out of out of the water release a turtle who was uh, still in the net mm. which was released and uh, yeah still able to to swim and then they ask us yeah we have now the net on our big ship should we bring it to hamburg this is our next uh, destination <laughs> where you involve people who are more or less like also a problem uh, yeah. on the other hand, yeah. helping us to 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 make the the, the world a better place. Yeah. Turning advocates or turning uh, you know adversaries and allies, and and it would help everyone. Like you were mentioning, I mean, local communities are, I mean, no one benefits from ghost nets, right? I mean, there's no yeah. even fishermen themselves. Once the net has run its course, once it's been abandoned, all it's doing at that point is poisoning the oceans killing uh you know killing animals so there's no real benefit from them yeah and it's really interesting to understand like also how the fishing industry works like uh, norway as an example of course uh, it's uh, it's a fishing country a really mm -hmm. huge one mm -hmm. and they have also uh, the fishing industry and uh, they have to test like every 18 months um, their nets and um, if they are strong for enough fish farming. for fish farming as an example yeah and um, before it was the thing that um, they had to bring it to um, to a place where the nets get burned or are going into landfill. So that is the normal way um, where the nets are going to. And um, now they have the opportunity to um, call um, also our partner Nofiras at the end or um, us or Healthy Seas or Ghost Diving. 
and um, say we have net here maybe a couple of tons we don't know what we uh, should do with it and um, then um, Nofiras is coming and is taking the nets and um, is using all kind of materials that are on the net like also uh, metal things or um, swimming um, balloons on it or something so they mm -hmm. just entangle the whole net and are selling it as raw material so for now on Uh, the nets get picked up and they don't have to worry about it and uh, they get also money for the raw material at the end but their problem before was they had to bring the nets somewhere every 18 months for a lot of money so the easiest way also and nobody wants to hear that was also to um, just release the nets into the sea so so they get paid the people who collect the nets somehow in turn get paid when they recycle them if they did it properly or is that um yeah so our partner uh, nofiras is uh, sitting in uh, lithuania and in isnir and um and norway yes and um they have like uh yeah a, a huge depot um over many thousand tons um and um sorting the nets into the different different materials also the nets are out mm. of different materials so you have like these really small and thin nets, and then you have the nets, the HDPE net that we are using. They are more colorful and a little bit thicker, and of course not every single net looks like that. So it depends how long is the net in the sea, and which kind of sea is the net, and um, how old is it, and um, a lot of material um, isn't looking that good, of course. So we, we can really collect because of the amount of nets that um, that get collected and um, that we are getting, which kind of nets we can use for our products. And um, the other nets that uh, are over um, get produced into little nuggets, at, uh, as an example, or are going to Aquafil in Slovenia, where they're producing yarn out of it, as an example, so for clothing. Wow. So it's not just when people drop off the nets, it's not just for the brace nets. It's for a variety no. of different products it can turn yeah. into. So, um, yeah, what we learned is um, you have to be really careful when somebody's talking about ocean plastic because um, there is no machine outside at the moment um, who can separate 200 different kind of mixed up plastics uh, with a little bit mud inside and uh, what is swimming around. Um, so you can do something with it, but you have to collect and separate it by hand and yeah. clean it really well. And then you need machines who can handle all that uh, mud inside. So um, there are really great projects out there, but um, it's really helpful um, to ask behind if it's really like, ocean plastic at the end um, or yeah which kind of plastic uh, is used to and is it w really in the pro product at the end um, for us it's easier because our product at the end is uh, yeah the raw net material right. so upcycled. just upcycled and not recycled so you can see the material but if it's used in products or clothing or something also, um, fishing nets, as an example, in closing, it's important to check if it's a mixed fabric or something that you're not producing new trash at the end. Oh, wow. So of the, okay, so of the, um, the nets that you receive, what percentage of that is usable by you and what percentage of that is usable in general? And then what percentage of that has to be like cannot be used at all? So we try really to use every net. That's why we also come up with new products because uh, we thought, okay, 
Uh, there are a few nets we, which we can, cannot use uh, to make brace nets out of it because they are too thick, for example. They were the first ones. They were too thick to, to make a brace net out of it. So we thought maybe a keychain would be something. Mm -hmm. So the next product was developed. Then we had this fishing, uh, the, the ropes where the nets are netted in, uh, the big ropes. In the beginning, we just uh, put them aside and thought, yeah, maybe we have another product idea in the future. And now we are uh, upcycle these lines for uh, dock leashes. Mm -hmm. So again, a new product. And thinner nets, uh, which were too thin for brace nets, uh, we upcycled to surf leashes, for example. So there are more and more nets uh, we can also use just for different products. Oh, wow. Um Interesting. So what is the, uh, what other, you guys have mentioned a few other organizations that you work with. How does that, how does that arc work? Um, like what does each organization do uh, either to acquire the nets in the first place or to help with processing or help with uh, manufacturing? Yeah, for, for us, it was really um, important that if we start something next to our really, yeah, big jobs at the end so where we we needed a lot of time uh, we want to have like really good partners and um, we needed somebody who can help us at the end because um, for us it was quite sure if we start collecting nets that would be a nice thing of course to bring or to grab trash on on the beaches but for us it was clear um, that we need somebody who is maybe also working already in that theme and um, that we can do a bigger impact at the end gotcha. and, uh, yeah and that's why we started uh, the really big research and then we found um, healthy seas and ghost diving so they existed already at this time and um, healthy seas was um, also on a global mission at this time like ghost diving but um, at this time they had like around 50 divers and um, of course, uh, the diving and also the transportation of the nets somewhere in the world needs to get paid. So um, mm -hmm. from our donations and from other partners of the donations uh, for now, they have uh, 170 divers worldwide who are going out every weekend. So that's a lot. Wow. So, so both Healthy Seas and Ghost Divers, they're the ones that are going to acquire the nets and you guys can help them with donations from... The, yeah, the right. exactly. Yeah, and so also they're, they are getting the uh, donation with every product we we sell, but uh, at the moment we are uh, also more. We are like a connector, like we try to network, so not be uh, a new organization and also focusing on donations. So what we are try, uh, what we are trying is to. Uh, bring different organizations together and help. For example, we had a, um, um, a recovering trip and um, yeah, um, campaign, uh, so-called, uh, with uh, Sea Shepherd. Uh, we have a net now from the WWF where we also do something out of it. So other organizations who are collecting nets, we try also to help them and becomes mm -hmm. yeah. Shark allies. We are in the middle. Shark allies. Yes. Yes, exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing because we are um, we are unpolitical. So companies are asking us if we can work with them together because um, we are not maybe that dark than Sea Shepherd. Um, like 
Right, right. From uh, yeah, from the first sight, and mm -hmm. um, yeah, and um, maybe also we have a lot of ideas what we can combine with the companies, even if it's not just a bracelet. It can be also like an event that is totally green organized, like without any kind of plastic, where they but where they need help or. Uh, yeah, like to use our network from the people that we know. We are not earning anything, but we can connect them. And um, yeah, that was, um, I think, the biggest thing and the biggest help also for ghost fishing and now ghost diving and healthy seas. Um, yeah, that we were able to help them with our knowledge and marketing and um, yeah, creating with our time products um, that we can sell. And of course, then collecting uh, with that also um, a donation um, in the last year it was 100,000 euros so um, it's wow. getting um, next to all the nice projects that we're doing with different kind of companies um, also huge donations to help to recover the nets out of the sea and uh, finance also yeah other projects and even uh, yeah like Sea Shepherd or wow. um, Shark Eyes. <laughs> it's so impressive the fact that you're um, your reach is, is so strong, is so far in such a short amount of time that you have these large organizations reaching out to you. Um, have you ever had a local government reach out or, or a certain like dive spot reach out and say, hey, we have problems with these ghost nets that are, you know, capturing a lot of the wildlife around here. Can you guys help out? Yeah, that's happening all the time. Like uh, last year when we went to... Um to the North Pole at the end, uh, we visited also some Polish uh, polar stations um, mm -hmm. where they yeah, feel the climate change and also the plastic even where nobody is and right. also the ghost fishing nets. And um, yeah, by visiting and talking to the people over there, um, we got invited to, um, to a trip to talk to different people in, in the North. Um, who are working in sustainable themes um, to talk to them and to network at the end. Um, there came three projects out um, where we can now collect nets in the north and help them to, yeah, to bring them to Hamburg, produce something out of it, and also to, um, yeah, help them with um, a little donation then in the end um, to finance their projects um, and their work. And um, yeah, that's getting a lot. And also, also from private persons who dive uh, in their free yep. time or maybe also professional divers who want to help, which we can connect with the ghost diving team and say, hey, if you want to uh, build up a base somewhere else in Germany or, for example, in Egypt, they, they become more and more. And uh, yeah, that we or the, the ghost diving team is almost active in every area right now. And what is also new and uh uh, yeah, is coming with us along since a couple of years is a really big project at Galapagos. Um, a couple of years, like almost, I think the first year when we started um, at this time, we went with our uh, little net around at the boat fair uh, in Düsseldorf. Um, that's like the biggest boat fair in the world. And um, we were just talking to magazines, to companies, um, how they produce, what their problems are, and um, presented our project. And um, at this fair, it's like four years ago, we met um, Roberto Ochoa, and um, he's a really um, famous photographer from the Galapagos Island and um, is working also for National Geographic. 
And um, since last year, we um, we are working closer and closer together. We are meeting uh, every year at the boat. And um, he's partner of the Charles Darwin Foundation and started the Ocean Expo at Galapagos. So mm. also to um, yeah to take care of the uh, marine uh, animals um, over there. So um, we are starting also projects um, with him together to... Uh, make a difference over there and have speeches there, of course, um, also, but um, to help from here as well, like to communicate the problem. Um, also, at the moment, Galapagos is a really big thing again. And mm. um, so, um, yeah, so we try to help uh, as much as we can also other projects if it's possible. There, there's, by the way, a nice video from Roberto. Uh, he entangled a big manter from a fishing line. Wow. And uh, this fishing line we have now here in our net quarter and produce brace nets out of this fishing line, which was yeah. entangled a, a munter. This video got, I don't know, two million views on, on YouTube. Oh, wow. Yeah. If someone wants to see it, just type in Roberto Manta. Okay. <laughs> I'll put it in the, uh, the show notes as well. Um, so what, let's say you're able to mo use most of the netting for upcycle in whatever way, whether it's with you guys or with, you know, some sort of other synthetic fiber for some of the, the smaller nets. What happens to how much of the net can be used, how much of it can be recyclable, recycled, and how much of it is just like completely too old or too, um, you know, unusable for anything? From the nets that we have, um, we try to use really everything because um, we already sort the nets because they're getting to our net quarter at the end so if we are no firas or somebody is calling us or sending us pictures so we ask for pictures ask uh, how the quality of the net is um, and if you go on our net quarter um, at our website you can see uh, which kind of sizes we can use directly and uh, of course even if we can't use it we take it and pay um, the transportation if it makes sense because if it's like somewhere and we have to pay thousands of euros and it's not really like a sustainable way to transport the nets then it makes no sense at the end but uh, we try to use everything as an example um, from the brace nets itself um, the knots that we have inside in, in, in our products are um, the meshes so we cut the meshes that's why we have um, the knots in our product so we are not putting the knots in, in our brace nets and um, of course, we have to cut a little bit uh, from the knots. So we have uh, little pieces from the net left over. And now we started just like uh, two months ago um, to produce rings out of it as an example. Mm, so we okay. try to use as, as much as we can of uh, the material that we have. And uh, even there's also a leftover. Uh, we try to melt it down to produce something out of it. So we have a lot of tests going on around at the moment. A, a mobile chain. Oh wow! <laughs> and oh, wow. Um, so we, yeah, we start in the ki kitchen, <laughs> also cooking something with the plastic, and start to, yeah, we just try out and see what what is working out and doing tests with the product. And it's possible also to sell them, of course, because it's not that easy with uh, handmade products to sell them somewhere. And um, yeah, but uh, sometimes it's working out really good. <laughs> but but to, to make a point to uh, how much nets you we can use or uh, can be re recycled or upcycled, it's important to say that it's much, much better when the nets 
come come or yeah, gets recovered out of the ocean uh, instead of just floating around for six or eight hundred years and fishing and fish fishing. Uh, mm -hmm. It's uh, yeah, a big different to other plastic just floating around because these nets are yeah so dangerous because they fish whatever they <laughs> yeah. whatever yeah. Come, comes in front of them. So it's much better just to bring them out and then to try to um, think about, okay, what can we do with it? Or is it just for, um, for landfill, for example? That's what they were designed for. They're designed to catch fish. Yeah. Um, yeah. And whether or not people are going in and checking them every now and then doesn't matter. They're still going to catch fish. They're still going to catch, um, you yeah. know, turtles and dolphins yeah. and, and mantas like you were talking about. Yeah. yeah, but it's yeah. Um, of course it's a difference if you find uh, nets in the Baltic Sea. Um, a lot of nets uh, can't be used from us, so um, they have then to get cleaned chemical because there are algaes on it, or yeah, something like that. And they look also really dirty because uh, the Baltic Sea is like really closed sea, so the water is not really coming in and going mm, out and okay. floating around. So it's really dirty inside and of course and then it depends how the weather is and how long the net is inside but um yeah in person i think it's really um yeah not easy to say because we are using at the end at the moment uh, the hdpe nets so um this is a part of the huge nets that uh, exist so there are a lot of nylon nets around they can be used as well, and they still look good even if they are long in, longer in the water. Mm. But there's a huge amount also of uh, the nets of the fishing industry that uh, needs to get cleaned um, with uh, chemicals. And uh, it's a, a distillation process, um, as an example for the nylon production, um, that is um, yeah really huge. So it's not that easy just you... You are not just putting a net in the water, so you really have to clean it, to mm -hmm. melt it down, separate uh, different kind of materials, and then produce something new out of it. Um, so really, the person out of it, it's uh, not easy to say. I have no idea. How far do these nets expand um, when they're first put in the ocean? How how vast are they? It can be totally different. Yeah. Uh, it can be that uh, almost new net is thrown overboard because then it needs space, mm -hmm. space mm -hmm. on the ship for more and more tunas, for example. It happens also sometimes that uh, almost new net is thrown overboard. So it's uh, a kilometer long, for example. And then it wow. could be that they just hang on a wreck or uh, on a reef and they have to cut a piece out of it. Um, so it's a smaller one, of course, yeah. or just pieces of nets are thrown overboard because they're uh, heavy used or yeah too old whatever so it's uh, from large to very very small pieces you find for example on the beach wow but up to like about a kilometer or some of the largest mm -hmm. ones yeah and then the the net problem also di is divided in different problems for example you have the, on on a net uh, especially on the ground nets you have this um, the the so-called dolly ropes, which are between the net and the ground, um, okay. they are there uh, for that the nets uh, don't get so uh, early destroyed. When when you put a net directly on the ground, of course it gets uh, yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah, it rubs against yeah. the ground. All these, 
these little dolly ropes you find everywhere in the ocean on the beach you find this orange or green pieces of dolly ropes for example so i understand it's pretty hard to determine what countries need the most cleanup or what areas need the most cleanup because it seems to be ubiquitous all over the place yeah and it can float around so even right. if it comes the water here or in japan or somewhere it can just float around everywhere a lot of the nets that we found in ireland and uh, in the north are coming uh, really really from the east so um yeah it, it can come from everywhere and it depends um, where the net was coming into the water and how long it is floating around and if it gets tangled somewhere or just yeah. floating around so yeah is is it possible at all to identify, and this is probably pretty tough, to identify the by type of net or, or probably not location, but by type of net, is it a way to identify what company no. or what organization? Okay. No, that, that makes it so easy for the uh, big, big fishing, fishing industry, for example, that they are not, um, that you can't identify from which uh, which ship or which uh, country mm -hmm. the net is coming from. That's that's also a point we are working on. Like uh, like I said before, the, the prevention to use use different net materials which are not uh, stay there for almost eight hundred years in the water or have a tracking system in the nets that you really find out okay where is the net coming from. Gotcha. Uh, wow. So, and I saw that on one of your videos online that you have, you utilize, or at least the organizations you work with utilize a pretty sophisticated way of finding these nets when they go out and use them. Mm -hmm. How are you, how is technology being used when you're finding the nets? Also more and more. Um, the easiest way is of course, uh, when we drive out with a boat, uh, with a, old fishing boat or a recovering boat. Um, we're just using the sonar to find uh, old wrecks, for mm -hmm. example, uh, especially in the North Sea. You have thousands of old fishing boats and uh, sunken, sunken wrecks down there. And the divers know, and we know that um, yeah, almost 99% of the old wrecks have fishing nets on it wow. because of the, yeah. Even if you go out again three weeks after you uh, recovered an ad, you will find a new one. Uh, yeah, uh, good point. It never ends. Yeah. So that's why it's really important to work against um, the nets that they are coming into the sea. And not, of course, it's really important to take them out, um, but also to work on it to, uh, that the nets are not coming in the sea. So Healthy Seas is also working on a really huge uh, program in Greece, um, as an example. It's the first, first fisherman school um, where the fishing industry also gets um, yeah, like lessons how they uh, can use their nets and how they use the nets in a sustainable way at the mm -hmm. end. Yeah, you figure this could help learning how to get rid of these nets and make sure they don't come in the first place would help yeah. everyone involved. Uh, yeah. especially the fishermen who are putting the nets out to begin with or who are, you yeah. know. Of course, sometimes they are losing the nets also. It's not just it's not throwing them yeah. away. So just to make that clear, um, of course, um, because the fish is so less um, and not that much than years ago, they have to fish on wrecks or um, also on corals because there's the fish and there's the chance to get tangled really yeah, mm -hmm. high. So 
that's also a problem. But also um, our communication and the communication of ghost diving, mafia and health disease helps that um, the fishermen who get tangled, um, also the small fishermen uh, who get tangled um, with their net, that they call us and um, are saying, I lost my net and I need it and I don't want to buy a new one because they are also really expensive. They can cost up to a half of a million euros and um, just one net. <laughs> so it's also um, for them sometimes a huge loss, but um, yeah, it's not that easy to get that out. So if you get tangled, you can just cut it from the boat, but you can't swim down there and mm -hmm. recover it on your own. So, yeah. Wow. So you're getting, people are reaching out to you from every angle. It's from, you know, divers, recreational divers, uh, countries, organizations, um, you know, fishermen themselves. Is there ever a time where, I mean, do you have such a surplus of nets to utilize right now? Is there ever a time that you have almost too much or you have to like expand where you put them? So of course our net quarter is full of nets, but we have uh, um, also great uh, corporations with um, workshops for people with uh, disabilities. Um, for example, in Neumünster and Hamburg and in Duisburg, so German-based ones. Yeah. Um, and they have also a lot of space where they uh, yeah, um, cargo the nets for us. Gotcha. And so your people with disabilities are helping to synthesize these yeah. nets? Yeah, they're helping us on uh, different products um, and yeah, helping us to, to cut the nets into, into the pieces we need. And yeah, it's always a great feedback because also for them, it's a new work, a different one where not only one, per one person is uh, working on one uh, small product. So they have to work together, uh, put the nets uh, with three or four people and then start cutting it with two other people. So their, their, their interaction yeah. and the teamwork yeah. becomes better and better. Yeah. Wow. And you guys are, are really thought of everything from helping people uh, get jobs to helping clean the oceans. Um, Actually, they came to us. So that was also something we had like our <laughs> first, it was our first booth that we had around Christmas and uh, like yeah, also five years ago. And they saw our product at that, that time. We had just two different kind of bracelets. And um, yeah, one of uh, the guys who is um, working in that uh uh, in Neumünster was it? I think Neumünster was the first one. They said, well, we really love your product and maybe that is something where we can help you um, also to produce it. And um, so then we started to talk to them and visited them and um, yeah, showed them our products and also our materials because sometimes um, it's really hard to find a solution um, for a problem with products and um, the people there are totally free to think about the products or the materials they just start and they just try out and sometimes um yeah they were really really helpful with uh, new products and solutions um as an example our um, event bracelet that we are using it has like switchable knots where you can switch the size um we tried a lot out and um the version that we are using right now is coming from them or we have a collaboration together with um, Soul Bottles. Um, it's a really huge product uh, product program also here in Germany. Um, uh, we have like a hook uh, uh, on, on, on the water bottle. And that is also um, 
covered with net. So they also found a solution to cover uh, this kind of product uh, with the net. So they are not producing every kind of product. It's not that easy. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, some of the products, they are like really specialists out of it and they are producing it. <laughs> gotcha. Wow. Um, so what are the things that sets, now that we've talked about it for a while, what sets Bracenets apart from other organizations that might be similar? Like, it sounds like you guys have a lot of connection with the local communities, with your local community, with production, um, with governments, like you're, you're working to fix the problem before it even starts. What sets you apart other than that from other organizations that might be similar? So I think what is really important for us is that we are not trying to fight, fight alone against this big problem, that we really try to be a connector, uh, standing in the middle and um, yeah, keep uh, different projects on board, organizations to help them, they help us to really be a networker and um, yeah, not, not fighting alone against this this huge, huge problem out there. Yeah, we learned it's really hard sometimes for like influencer or other great projects um, or also for NGOs to work with other companies together because they are fighting for donations um, at the end. And uh, the Bracenet itself um, helps us to be unpolitical. Uh, how do you say it? Unpolitical? Yeah, uh, apolitical, yeah, or unpolitical. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, and we are using, um, like, well, we, we are taking out this huge amount of nets by the sea. So it's not just collecting um, on a beach or something. Uh, we are collecting uh, directly in the sea. That's why we are using also the claim, um, save the seas where a net um, or from the sea on your wrist, um, because it's coming directly from the sea. And um, this allows us also to... Um, work with bigger companies together because we have not just these little pieces of net, we have huge nets. So we can also produce from one color a lot, as an example, um, this from the prod product uh, side at the end. That makes it like um, usable for a lot of companies as well. And we are really transparent. Um, yeah, uh, as I said before, we have a really great team um, who's like really asking the right questions and um, and we are really um, picky with uh, the cooperations that we are doing and um, did in the past, I think, the right decisions to work with the right people together and mm. had a good feeling um, which people really want to change something. And if you have somebody who's calling us and saying, I like to do a collaboration with you together, but I have no idea why to work with them together, we can do so many big things and that's like the yeah the really great part of our job now <laughs> that is really great so when you're thinking about success when you think internally and you have those discussions what does it look like it doesn't sound like it's financial success it sounds like it's you know that's required to keep the organization running but what does success for you look like yeah can be also so uh, come in different phases um, the success sometimes it just that we get a call from a family which is uh, in the sea or nearby the sea and finding nets and send us the pictures and say hey this is what we collect today uh, can you do something out of these uh, nets this is for example some really really success or the story about the captain uh, 
who uh, brings us nets from one part of the world to, to the harbor of Hamburg and said, hey, I have to do something good also, not only um, yeah, driving with my ship around the world. Um, these are the moments where I say, okay, we are doing the right thing, that also the people who are... Yeah. Or this, uh, the studies, like the people who are studying at the moment um, sustainability and ask us if they can uh, write their master thesis about us or to work with us together. They have time for a year or something to work really hard on one theme and um, if they can use like our network and um, help us at the end, but really produce something new and bring new ideas to life um, where they um, yeah, can work on it with their with their own knowledge or like even like the supporters that we have mm -hmm. and writing like the Google disc, uh, uh, reviews like we have now, I, I, I counted yesterday, 117, uh, almost five stars. Um, we have five stars on Google. Uh, that is crazy. <laughs> like uh, which kind of company has so many uh, five stars? It's not just five stars. It's like they, they're writing texts uh, oversized sites and taking pictures of their 10 bracelets that they were wearing on their arm to spread the message. So um, this is all success. So even more than we expected ever. That's so great. Whenever you can look beyond, I mean, it doesn't seem like financials was something you were concerned with, but <laughs> you all, you have that success, you have financial success, and now you're able to get success with people actively trying to help and actively reaching out to you. Um, With that in mind, are you guys hopeful? Are you hopeful that you, with efforts of other organizations, of other governments, of people, of divers, are you hopeful that, that ghost nets will be a thing of the past and, and you guys can move on to your next project? Or do you think that there's a lot of work still yet to be done? Of course, a lot of work. But um, if we wouldn't be optimistic, uh, <laughs> we wouldn't come to work every day. We had to stop. Uh, we had to stop. <laughs> Um, so, of course, we are optimistic that there will come changes more and more. Of course, it takes time and we see it uh, in, in, in total. We, Of course, we're focusing on the ghost net problem, but the, the ocean topics are yeah, all together. So It's a lot of more. And there we really think, uh, especially in, in COVID-19 uh, times, uh, where we thought in the beginning, oh, Jesus, now there comes this other big topic and nobody is interested in the, in the nature anymore, yeah. that it's yeah. disappear almost uh, like one week afterwards that the people thought or thinking about more about planet Earth and about the oceans, that we really have to do something. And in this uh, small period, in this uh, small uh, amount of time, that we're now getting pictures from from divers, from scientists, um, and also, of course, you find them in the media, that, um, that they change so many things uh, yeah, under the surface already in this uh, short amount of time, that yeah. dolphins coming back or that the coral reefs are um, recovering. And yeah, this, this keeps us more motivated than, than ever that, that there's something we can do, of course. That's, that's great to hear. And I think you're right. I feel like COVID-19 has helped a lot with people understanding how interconnected we are with nature and mm -hmm. how mm -hmm. we can't 
Like, you know, there was decades where people thought they could, centuries, people thought they could exploit the ocean and dump whatever they wanted into it and take whatever they wanted out of it and it'd be fine. And there are still some factions of people who think that. Um, but I think then the more people I talk to during COVID-19, people are awakening to something we should have known a while uh, for a long time, yeah. that that they, we are all interconnected with nature and how are we going to exist if it does collapse? Yeah, or, or change something in their own work life. Like even our closest friends, they are not all in the... Um, in the save the seas uh, direction uh, usually and um, if, you, if we are talking to them some of them lost um, their job some of them uh, are working like in short time and we um, worked also and um, they said to me I need a job uh, that makes sense for me and for the future and so that also changed a lot in their mind um, how they like to spend their life and uh, how they like to work for and uh, this is also really nice to hear yeah that's great when people are again putting the like you guys have done putting the issues and, and their problem thinking abilities ahead of immediate needs or, or, mm -hmm. or their financials and they're, they're becoming entrepreneurs or, or finding ways that they can help the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. For you guys where, you know, you strike me as avid divers, you strike me as this is pretty interconnected with, uh, you know, diving with what you're doing right now, where are you diving next? I mean, I imagine wherever you go, you, <laughs> you're, you're not going to swim past a net and, and just let it lay there. You're going to, you're going to help clean up. I imagine, I imagine it kind of turns into, work uh, so do you have like an idea of where you're going to go next of where you're thinking once we can travel again or once that opens up uh, first we are diving into our family business in about uh, six weeks actually <laughs> but uh, we bought already like this uh, this little bath pants uh, <laughs> for this little guy inside my belly but um, <laughs> um, actually at this time right now um, we were it was planned to go to Galapagos again uh, to Roberto um, and to work with him there or um, also to do a recovering trip uh, in Croatia that we missed two weeks ago, um, all also because of Corona. Um, but uh, we have no fixed plans yet, but there are a lot of opportunities um, uh, where we can uh, join and uh, take the nets out of the sea and uh, collaborate with new diving teams as well. And of course, it's not just us, it's also um, the ghost diving team in Healthy Seas. They are all right. really active at the moment and um, getting new people and starting new projects. Um, so please follow also our partners. Hmm. <laughs> um, and um, you will see all new projects uh, that are coming up and um, where you can help as well. So, um, yeah, that's really nice to, to see. We are more happy are. when uh, people jump on boards who are not really in this topic uh, so, or so deep in the topic, but have the ability to, to change something. For example, like politicians or managers from big companies mm -hmm. so, to bring them on board and see what the problem really is to yeah. bring them on the water or the water to to see the problem and have the ability to change something so yeah. for us it's always nice of course to be in the water but we we, we saw <laughs> we saw the problem or see it every day mm -hmm. so it's more important to really bring people with influence uh, on board yeah, yeah. guys 
I got to tell you, I was uh, I was impressed when I first heard about brace nets. I'm even more impressed now. Um, just the way that you've thought through this entire process and how you know how you're reading the world of a, a really terrible problem and how you're able to involve as many people as you have been. Um, ben, when you were talking earlier, one of my favorite you reminded me of one of my favorite quotes, which is pursue something so important that even if you fail, the world is better off with you having tried. Um, it's by Tim O'Reilly and. I think that rings true here, except for you're not failing. You're succeeding. You're getting people coming to you, bringing you business, talking about the issues. Um, you're doing a really incredible thing for um, you know divers like myself and or just people who love nature and who love ocean life. So I want to thank you guys so much. And uh, thank, thank you, you, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, uh, where can someone go to help, uh, whether they have nets, whether they want to purchase a brace net, whether they just want to follow you guys socially, like how can, how can people help? Yeah. So, um, everything starts in small steps by your own. So it's not just buying a a brace net at the end. Of course that helps as well, but, um, it's also to start, um, in your own life, like to change little things, even if you don't change your whole lifestyle and uh, not eating meat anymore and not eating fish anymore and never use plastic again and just showering with uh, soaps somewhere Um, but if you change like uh, a bit already that helps a lot if everybody's doing a bit that helps a lot of course there are some tips around like not using black plastic because the laser machine and the recycling station can't see it or um, oh, wow. yeah, try as much as you can in your own life. Um, if you know people who are owning a company, maybe your father or your brother or your mother, um, maybe your friend or your own, um, start to try to um, start like uh, sustainable groups in the company. If that is, um, I think it's on Vogue, so you can do it. And maybe it's yep. also a great thing to do. And um, to bring people on board and to change little things, maybe also with idea management um, to, yeah, to maybe to start something that the people can win something in the company, even if they change little things that get sustainable. Maybe also you can, um, you can save money with it if you change uh, right. your single use plastic ban. It can be also a good thing. And um, yeah, so and enjoy to use less things and think about twice about your own lifestyle and uh, try to inspire people who can change something if you are not if you are not able to do it on your own you can talk to people or if you you are buying stuff in the supermarket and uh, you see it's not plastic free but it's like your favorite product talk to the company write them an email call them uh, make an offer. Maybe you have an idea to change something. I think the people are really open for that. Mm-hmm. So that's what we learned. Just ask. Nobody's asking like big companies for something like that because you think at the first moment they won't change anything. But for now, it's the time for them also to do something and do really something and then talk about it. And then it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the big thing is... uh you know, uh, people realizing there is an alternative way of doing things. Uh, it doesn't have to be just spend and create and consume. It can be yeah. upcycle. It can be stopping the, that uh, those nets from getting in the water in the first place. Yeah. Madeline, Ben, I want to thank you guys so much for your time. Uh, the world is lucky to have you two in it and doing what you're doing. And we're even luckier to have a third one on the way. 
so <laughs> thank you both Next so generation. much. Yeah, absolutely. Another uh, another ocean advocate. So thank you guys so much for your time. Um, thank yeah, you. I really appreciate thank it. You. Thanks for joining. If you like that episode, feel free to rate, view, and subscribe. That actually really helps. If you haven't seen it yet, take a look at the accompanying blog. Don't forget your boots.com, where you can read more and see photos for all the interviews. Until next time. Take care.